0: Of the between the cracks podcast not only is this episode number 42 this is our christmas spectacular and boy oh boy do we have a case for you tonight but before we get into all that allow me to introduce myself if this is your first time joining us i am your host bill and with me as always is my co-host chris now chris how you doing there little buddy
1: I am great, Bill. I'm excited about our Christmas spectacular, where we're going to cover the case of Santa Claus and his eight reindeer. Oh,
0: what a remarkable story it is!
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, contrary to popular belief, Santa did not get along very well with his eight reindeer. So tonight, oh my God, that, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. Tonight, yeah,
0: right? or are we talking about? Ho, ho, hoes.
1: I'm going to have to sound the alarm on that one, Uh <laughs> No, no, no please. I am like where already. going I, already, I
0: promised last week we were, ch- <laughs> we were changing the format. You're gone, bud. <laughs> so, uh, but in all seriousness, Chris, we need to know. How you doing? Are you ready for Christmas? Am I
1: ever? Not really, actually. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. Like, I guess it depends on... The situation, and I imagine that, you know, when you get to the point where you start having kids and you could speak to it, that, like, that kind of, like, Christmas feeling kind of comes back again, right? Like, where you can live it through your kids.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch them be so excited about it. And I have three kids. Two of them still believe in Santa, which is really cool, and it makes it a lot more fun for me to watch. Of course, I still get to threaten them with, like, being on a naughty list and all that stuff where, you know... The oldest one really doesn't give a shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I still love the time of year. It's probably a little, you know, obviously a little better when under not the shitty circumstances we're under now. But, like, just being able to see everything decorated and kind of people getting into it.
0: I fucking love that, too, man. And, like, it's my busiest time of year. Like, in in this year has been crazier than ever just because of everybody ordering shit like online and the USPS has just been overwhelmed which is the United States post office for anybody listening overseas and in turn that's causing massive delays in shipments arriving and you have some people who are you know very understanding about it and then you have the other people who just have no sense of understanding at all so it's just fucking weird because it's supposed to be the season of peace and understanding and you got somebody losing their shit over a a stupid fucking package that arrives a couple days late
1: this is what never i never understood this time of year the whole like giving and and being kind whatever but if you go into a store when there's a fucking sale where there's like 20 items left people become
0: Fucking animals. The worst of the fucking worst. Like, I mean, you see the, the good side of humanity and then you see the fucking worst. Like, I, I don't get it. The more I stay away from people, the fucking happier I am. I don't know. <laughs> like, now you don't really have it, you know, especially this year. But, you know, in years past, fucking getting bumped nonstop or, you know, being overcrowded in a, in a room or, oh my God, it drives oh, me absolutely crazy. Line
1: cutting and shit. Just people trying to get a fucking head of everything. It's just. They, they, they really forget what is more important in life. And, it's, and
0: I'm telling you, these are the type of fucking idiots probably go on social media and, and virtue signal. Like, you know, this is a time of giving and peace. Meanwhile, they're acting completely opposite in their fucking real life. You know, and that, that's exactly, I think, what, what this world is becoming. It's this facade put up by the, the social media sites. Like, you know, you're only showing the best parts of your life, you know, and it just becomes this fake fucking world that you're living in. God, what a damper this episode is already. We're getting ready, getting fucking pissed, and the show hasn't even started yet. Well, no. you know, we just we like to speak our mind on this show. Uh, and tell people how it is. <laughs> like, we, we don't research much, but we are very opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, with all that said, bud, I have some big news. I finally set up the Patreon page. Aha! Yes, bud, and. I told you I had to go through our host site to set it up because I was trying to do it on my own. It was just fucking too much. So I went ahead and just paid the extra fee a month to have them do it. And it's all set up for us. So the link for that will be in our show notes. If anybody wants to become a patron, you can um, donate whatever you want. There's like increments there. There's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you want to do. But there's certain rewards that come with each level. And I think at our top level, there's different rewards that I set up, you know, like mugs, hats and all that shit. So, you know, you even get to suggest the case. So there's a lot of good things that you can get out of that. But, Chris, unfortunately, bud, as we're going to get into this story, that is the last of uh, any good news we're going to hear for approximately the next hour.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. But that seems kind of the nature of the game with this podcast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We're we're gonna really just bum the shit out of you. Well,
0: uh, I mean, last week, uh, the episode on um, the Salvadoran fisherman who survived 438 days at sea—that was a real uplifting case. I felt good all week about that.
1: Maybe that should have been our last one of the sea, of the yeah, year. Yeah, I
0: was thinking that like <laughs> it, uplifting. It, it, after we decided to call this the Christmas spectacular. Uh, you know, this this case didn't really seem right because, bud, this is one of the most disturbing cases we've ever covered. This essentially showcases the worst side of human beings. So, without further ado, bud, let's get into it. Because tonight, Chris, we are talking about the disturbing kidnapping of Colleen Stan. Now... For those of you that might not know the name Colleen Stan, you might be more familiar with the movie that was based off of this ordeal. And that was the 2016 film Girl in a Box, which was, oddly enough, on Chris's favorite station, Lifetime. So, Excuse me? Yeah. uh, Chris, please, I'm in the middle of talking. Uh, But yes, so as you hear girl in a box it's pretty self-explanatory as to what happens uh, to colleen so chris without any further ado why don't you start us off on this journey
1: so in 1977 colleen was hitchhiking from her home in eugene oregon to a friend's home in northern california and along the way she decides to as i mentioned hitchhike her way there which she apparently Uh, was experienced with doing so
0: and at the time in the late 70s right so 77 hitchhiking was kind of a normal activity it's not like today like you rarely see any hitchhikers out there today and i don't think anybody's picking anybody up anymore but uh at this time in the 70s i mean maybe even to, to the early 80s i think you know it was the time of uh when there were a lot of hippies goddamn hippies uh, lurking around <laughs> right. so uh, Bill, I, I want
1: you to, I'm i just going to stop you right there uh, I'm going to need you to be careful you're treading uh... <laughs>
0: very very thin ice but uh, yeah so I mean I think it was a more trusting time period and uh, therefore you know this was nothing that was out of the norm and as you said she considered herself an experienced hitchhiker
1: right and, and I guess I understand it's difficult for me to understand that because I grew up where that was really like frowned upon and obviously, with the way society has kind of gone, unfortunately, there's not a lot of trust there. Not, not that there should be, because you're opening yourself up to a very potentially harmful situation. So,
0: Have you ever hitchhiked before? I have not. No, I haven't either. But I did pick up a hitchhiker once. Um, mm, probably, yeah, probably about... 20 years ago, I saw a girl. This is, I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. creepy. I saw a girl on the side of the road, a woman, and you know, hitchhiking. So I decided to pick her up. And she must get very uneasy with me, but you know, I'm, I'm a very kind young man. But her instincts must have told her otherwise, Chris, because within a quarter of a mile, she asked me to let her out. Damn. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I did. I mean, uh, I was like, I'm not fucking getting involved with this shit. So, the nerve of somebody uh, asking you for a ride. Yeah, and, then, and, I, and then I decide to fucking help, and then then, then make me feel bad about myself. But anyway, I let her off at uh, right in the center of town here, and uh, that was the last I ever saw her. Probably for the best.
1: <laughs> I mean, I've i never picked up a hitchhiker. I've seen them, but I've never picked up a hitchhiker. I have only gave uh, three people a ride to a train station after a hike, so that they were kind of like... They went hiking in cold spring and there b- before the train station well there was a stop there they would have to have walked a long distance to get into the the train station in town so they just kindly asked if i would just drop them off at the train so it was it was not really like one of those like weird situations
0: oh you sick fuck so you were into it
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but that was, i'm coming I, to life
0: chris i'm waking up a little bit bud
1: my man, my hand is on the alarm. Okay, <laughs> so it, nothing, yeah, nothing crazy like that, and and it's just, it's just an uneasy feeling. I mean, I try to put myself in a situation where I would trust to have a stranger take me in their car you know what i mean like i don't know I, I feel like if i see someone hitchhiking that something might be wrong with them
0: this is the weird thing and that's kind of parlays nicely in into this case because you know colleen was used to hitchhiking and she said as she was trying to get down to this party you know she had she had gotten a couple truck drivers to give her some rides and i mean that's like the norm with within that community but then she was being dropped off from place to place, and she had a couple of uh, instances with some cars pulling up that were offering her rides, but she felt uncomfortable based on who was in it, and I think one car had a group of five guys that were like kind of rowdy, college kids, whatever the fuck they were. She got a really bad vibe from them, and what happens next changed her life forever because she uh, trusted her instincts, and it led her down a, a terrible path, but you can't blame her because... I would do the same thing because, you know, I wouldn't trust a group of five or six people by myself, you know, and, and that makes a lot of sense, especially being a woman, you know, and, and a group of men. So now who pulls up next is a family, is a husband and a wife and a baby in a van, for Christ's sake. So it's like, who would you get into the car with a family with a van or a, a group of six guys? You'd obviously choose the family with the little baby in the van, right? And that's exactly what she did. But this is the thing. You cannot always go by looks. Looks, as they always say, can be very deceiving. And boy, oh fucking boy, was it in this case.
1: And it's actually one of those things where an experienced person like this or an experienced uh, you know, kidnapper or uh, perpetrator or whatever, they're going to know what... Kind of facade that they need to put up to make somebody feel comfortable. So, if a person's goal was to kidnap somebody, you would think that the that their their idea or their, or their their kind of tactic would be not to look like some fucking creep, because then you're gonna you're gonna get the exact thing that Colleen did here. She she let two rides go, because of that. So we don't even know if this person is actively looking for hitchhikers to kind of abduct or if this just happened to work
0: out as a crime of opportunity right
1: okay. and and he just happened to be in a, a particular situation where his van looked welcoming
0: plus you have the little baby as a prop You know, that's a nice little prop oh exactly to have.
1: oh yeah nobody in their right mind is going to think that if there's a, a woman with a baby in the car that that you're going to be in any danger so she gets into the the van with them they make a quick stop at a gas station along the way and so colleen gets out to use the restroom, and according to her, she says a voice told me to run and jump out a window and never look back, but she said she calmed her fears and went back into the
0: van. Because you would think also, you know, if they're making a stop after they pick you up, you know, and you're free to use the bathroom, go into the store, I would imagine that, you know, even though you might be feeling a little uneasy with these people, you're probably going to assume, oh, well, it's just in my head. You know, obviously, they already stopped and let me out once. But unfortunately, Chris, that was the last bit of freedom Colleen ever got. Once
1: Colleen gets back into the van after calming her fears, they set out again. But once they are alone in, in a somewhat isolated area, the driver of this van puts a knife to, to Colleen's throat. Now, obviously her worst fears come to fruition here. And the man by the name of Cameron Hooker is the person who's driving this van. He and his wife, Janice, who is also accompanying him in the car with their child, are now basically the last people that Colleen are gonna see for a while. Just to speak a little bit on Cameron, he is a lumber mill worker that works for the Diamond International Lumber Mill. And apparently, Janice, who we almost kind of get the feeling too, like you have to imagine the kind of person that Janice kind of must be to allow this sort of scenario to unfold, because obviously she's a part of it. She's not fighting this. Whole yeah, thing well, she half. was
0: very submissive, and I, I think where Colleen made her mistake also is like you know being fooled by the presence of the baby and uh, you know the look of this wholesome family. Is that this guy was a fucking nerd. You know, I mean, he just looked very unassuming. He looked weak and she fell for that. But basically he was anything but, you know, he was a fucking monster. And as you said, his wife Janice was just completely submissive. And we soon learned that she was basically beaten to that submission.
1: Right. So, so you know, we, we kind of wonder about Janice obviously being kind of a victim herself to this guy. You know, about a kind of how that whole situation even played out up to this point. She apparently makes an agreement with Cameron, Janice, that is, that Cameron could capture a slave to take her place and basically act out any kind of sexual bondage or what have you on this new person being Colleen, because apparently he was using Janice up to this
0: point for these acts. So basically she was like, fuck it take another slave and it'll take the punishment off of me.
1: Right. Right. She's probably kind of sadly at this point, thinking that better them than me. Absolutely.
0: I mean, plus the factor that he's now gotten her pregnant. So, I mean, maybe the fact that he has a child with her now made him ease up on her and therefore wanted to carry out a more sinister plan on a new quote unquote slave leading up to them taking her to their residence. As Chris said, Cameron proceeds to put a knife to Colleen's neck. Tells her if she moves or attempts to run, he's going to slit her throat. Obviously, her being a young lady and never putting in a situation before, she's scared shitless, you know? And now this is the part that brings such a unique air to this story. And something I've never heard of before, nor since, Chris. What happens is, after Cameron leads her back to the car, he proceeds to put on what they called a wooden headbox. On her head and he had designed this thing right it's uh, it's a huge wooden box with like carpeting inside and you know different kind of insulation with just a hole for the neck and it goes down over your head and you're able to clamp it on both sides so basically what this did it blinded her it prevented light from coming in she couldn't hear a goddamn thing and if she decided to scream it was basically soundproof nobody's going to hear her and also limited the ability for fresh air to get in there. So it was limiting her intake of oxygen, probably making her weaker and more frightened than she's ever been in her life, obviously. The box is a weird thing, Chris. Now, having a knife to your throat is one thing, and I I can understand the fear involved with that, but having this box put over your head and being locked on there, in, in my opinion, man, it's way scarier having that box on your head than having a knife to your throat. So after he puts the box on her head, Things only go from bad to worse, bud. Why don't you tell us what happens next?
1: They take her back to the house, and while there was apparently this deal that you know Cameron made with Janice that there would be no penetrative sex with Stan because... Janice is basically acting as a wife in this circumstance and, and kind of allowing a second partner in to play, but she doesn't want things to go too far, right? She, she allows this slave for Cameron, but, you know, there's a stipulation that there'd be no penetrative sex.
0: And that's what this cocksucker says. So as soon as they get into the house, he tells Colleen, you know, you are now my slave and you refer to me as master. And strips her naked and basically tells her... You will now be renamed to a slave named Kay. And you will refer to Janice as Madam. Fuck you. So, I mean, you can imagine how scared this girl is. So, she's probably just in a state of shock. You know, your body's kind of just going along with it, but your mind is shutting down just to protect yourself. So, at this point, you know, they've already put a knife to her neck They put a box on her head, they bring her to an undisclosed location, and when they take the box off, she's blindfolded, tell her that she is now a slave, rename her, and they make her call this piece of shit Master. So, her mind's probably, at this point, gone. So, once they had her in the house, they immediately lead her down to the basement. Basically, what they did is they would tie her up. And, you know, they would have her on a stool, not a stool, out from under her. So she would just be hanging there. She'd be stripped naked. And, you know, so there is a sexual component to that. But at that point, they would just whip her and beat her and just continue this mental mind fuckery on her. To make matters worse and all the more disgusting, this clown Cameron and his wife Janice would proceed to have sex right below her while she was hanging From the fucking ceiling. So, I mean, we're dealing with some sick fucking monsters here. After that, dude, after she was hanging from these rafters, they finally take her down, right? They take her down and put her in this box that's underneath their bed and leave her locked inside of it for 23 hours a day. They let her out maybe to feed her and torture her. She even had her own bedpan in there. I mean, like you can imagine, especially during her summer days, how hot it was, especially in California, and the lack of air, the lack of light. Basically, she was... Just doing anything she could to try to survive. And you, you could just imagine psychologically what's happening. She's breaking down further and further each day. And one day, when he lets her out of the box, he makes her sign a contract. He made up this little makeshift contract and which at this point she believes anything this guy's saying because he's doing these disgusting things to her that she probably never even thought possible. So he comes up with this little contract that he makes her sign, basically saying that she agrees to be his slave for life. Okay? and that if she ever tries to escape, that there is a group called, quote-unquote, The Company, very very original, very thought out, <laughs> uh, that would immediately kill her. Basically says that if you try to escape, it's the equivalent of putting a shotgun to your head and pulling the trigger. So at that point, she believes that she doesn't sign it, she'll be killed, and if she does have the chance to escape, she's going to be killed by people outside. Another little psychological twist to put on this This guy, Cameron Hooker, had a picture of another missing woman named Mary Elizabeth Spanhak. I guess that's how you would say it. Not really sure. But he had this picture of her and basically told Stan, Colleen Stan, that he murdered her. And she was initially a slave with him, but she attempted to escape and he killed her. And basically uses this picture as a prop to create more fear within Colleen. So... This poor girl, all she was doing was going to a friend's birthday party, decided to hitchhike, and now she finds herself locked under a BDSM couple's fucking bed for 23 hours a day, and when she's let out, they put a box on her head, or they blindfold her, give her a little something to eat, and proceed to torture her.
1: To make matters worse, even though apparently Cameron didn't actually want to have vaginal sex with Colleen because he apparently believed that would be a breach in contract with his wife. How considerate of him. Instead, he decided he would actually rape her with implements instead of himself. Just sick. And obviously she's from what seems like a nightmare, and this is just getting worse and worse. She's she's driven into submission by fear, as as Bill mentioned, not only because of his talk about his previous victim, but also this so-called company, which which she believes and, and she's got no reason not to believe that 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 this is truly exists. After this, they move to a mobile home in
0: apparently in Red Bluff. They went on just living a normal life. So much so, dude, that they had a second kid. It's just so fucked up. You know, they, they continue to go to work, they're living their life. Janice gets pregnant again, and what's so sick is that they did a home birth and actually had the second baby born right above Colleen in the bed. So they're giving birth to this their new child, and below their bed is a girl that they kidnapped locked in a box. What the fuck? So as you said, Chris, you know, the psychological component of her being fearful of this thing called the company that Cameron basically pushed into her mind every day that ended up being more fearful to her than the actual abuse. Because even though there were painful physical ramifications, she thought that maybe if she followed all of Cameron's orders, that maybe she can, you know, have a little more freedom and be allowed out of that box a little longer during the day. But she was just so fearful. If she ever tried to escape, she would be killed immediately by this, you know, this, this fake company that he said existed. And we come to find out that he does start to grant ah, her—he fuck him—give her extra little freedoms or liberties.
1: Right. So, so she was basically a prisoner this whole time, right? And and, well, not that she still is a prisoner, but what she's allowed to do, he eventually kind of loosens the grips a little bit in in allowing her to, you know, not be locked up all day long even letting her help out around the house. So, you know, he eventually allows her to go out for jogs, do work in the yard and actually take care of the their kids in this mobile home and then start assisting him in making some sort of an underground dungeon so that he can have more slaves. Can you imagine being a, a slave and then basically creating a situation where you're allowing him
0: to keep more People just like you? That's exactly the way he groomed Janice. So he was basically doing the same thing. He had this format already set out with how he's done it before. And now he's grooming colleen to do the same which is just so crazy because you know she had the ability to go out on her own she was even opening doors talking to neighbors and whatnot but she was so fearful that she was going to be fucking killed and she became suspicious of anybody she ran into like so she would think the neighbors were part of the company or if she went for a jog and somebody drove by her she would think she was being watched by him anything and everything was was causing her to be paranoid and refused to make any kind of escape attempt
1: as he's actually allowing her to do more and more things, the most risky thing that he actually allows her to do is leave to visit her family. And so we mentioned about how fearful she is of the company and you know what, what might be done to her if she is to say a word. So this is now in 1981. I have to remember in 1977 is when she was picked up so,
0: so we're four years into this.
1: Right. And, and now in 81, she's now allowed to go and visit her family, which she does. Her family thinking, you know, obviously with her being missing for so long, they were not sure if she, you know, joined some sort of a group, some sort of a cult, which is why she had been missing for so long. Obviously, they, they're, they I'm sure, happy to see her, but they, they're they not pushing too hard or prying too much into what has happened or where she's been because they don't want her to basically take off forever so she mentions nothing about what happened to her and she is so scared about the repercussions of her saying anything to anybody that she is never able to get across to her family that she's in trouble
0: well and there was actually a point before her visit he allowed her to call her family and they said and I think that that was probably at the two- or three-year mark. I mean, how weird is that for the family, too? You think that, you know, as you said, they thought that she had joined a cult or went to live in a commune because, like we said, it was the 70s, so all that kind of weird shit was going on. Dirty goddamn hippies. They uh, thought that, you know, it might have been something along those lines, right? But they didn't want to turn her off and chase her, basically, in their mind, chase her away again. So she didn't reveal anything to them. They said that she was a little more evasive and standoffish, but to make this story even crazier, dude, Cameron came by the house and posed as her boyfriend.
1: Fucking crazy.
0: And there's actually pictures, I posted a picture of it on Instagram, and I'm going to post another one of them hugging, and what a creepy picture that is to realize what was actually going on behind the scenes, because she looks content, he looks happy, I mean, my God, you would have no idea from looking at that picture what was really going on. As they're getting ready to leave and say goodbye, the family's trying to get her address or way to, or some kind of contact information. And Cameron is kind of jumping in. He's being a little bit elusive. Oh, we're moving. We'll get everything to you. We look forward to seeing you guys very soon. That was all a lie. Of course, coming anything coming from this dickhead's mouth is going to be a lie. So he takes Colleen back to the trailer and you would think that you know, with all this happening, she would get these extra freedoms, but that was not the case, because once she got back to that trailer, matters got worse, and the reason for that is that he just wanted to fuck with her mind, and get her to the point where she would never be able to expect what was going to come.
1: Apparently, his, his thought process was that perhaps that he gave her a little too much freedom uh, in, in seeing her parents, and, and the fucking balls on this guy
0: oh it's unbelievable
1: show up to her family's house and pretend to be her boyfriend and and that they're very happy together obviously the family knowing nothing about what she's what she's been doing the last four years has no reason to believe otherwise like you mentioned she is now gone from uh, being allowed to go as far as see her own family even without him the first time to now locking her up twenty three hours a day again in a wooden box under that waterbed for the next three years. She literally touched freedom. She saw her own family and was so oh afraid to say anything and failed to to notify anybody of her situation and then she gets thrown right back. In those conditions again for the next three years. It's just, it makes you
0: want to puke. Worse conditions. You know, it's so heartbreaking and, you know, frustrating because of how close she was. She was free. But in her mind, she wasn't. He controlled her mind. These conditions were worse now because now she's back in that box. But for 23 hours a day, dude, they're letting her out for that hour a day. You know, in addition to her torture, she's being sexually abused. So Cameron, as you said, had that contract with Janice that he would not... Penetrate Colleen. Janice decides to give him permission to do that. He decides to do it. So he's raping Colleen now. And it's at that point that Janice starts to get a little funny. You know, she starts to feel jealous, as if Cameron is preferring Colleen over her. Out of all the disgusting things that they've done, this is what she feels fucking funny about, right? And as he and Colleen are together more and more, Cameron comes up with the idea basically that he wants to have Colleen be his second wife and take on a new slave, basically doing the same exact thing that he did to Janice. And it was at that point that Janice fucking pumped the brakes and you know, she started to get very uneasy with that idea. So keep that in mind because at this point the jealousy is starting to seep in and whenever there's jealousy, Chris, there is trouble. So, Let's pick up the story in 1983 now where Colleen has now quote unquote earned saying shit like that really fucking makes me fucking burn up. So I, mean, I had no other way to put it. She's given more freedoms by Cameron. So she's allowed to start taking care of the kids again and even allowed to get a job. And she took a job as a maid at a motel to assist. What else? Helping pay bills for the house that she's being locked away in.
1: Crazy. As you mentioned with, you know, Janice kind of slowly unraveling here, she starts to admit and even start even speaking with Colleen about the kind of struggles she's had herself, basically saying that this whole thing, she's been kind of tortured and brainwashed by Cameron and kind of just been in denial this whole time, basically kind of exhibiting what Colleen is uh, you know, has been through. She's obviously further along Janice's than Colleen being, being there longer, but she's a victim nonetheless to him. So, uh, as you mentioned with the jealousy and now maybe she starts to kind of rethink her life and, and, and how she got into the situation and, and how much she kind of wants out of it. Basically what ends up happening is Janice ends up saying to, to Stan, you know, um, you know, that that Cameron's not part of this, this quote, the company uh, at all, but she does mention that apparently that the organization does exist. At this point, after a few years later, we mentioned that Colleen has more freedom to do things and she's actually allowed to get a job as a maid at a motel. So she's actually leaving this house now, uh, this mobile home, Um, and she's able to go back and forth. So again, another circumstance comes up that, that would provide her a potential option for freedom. And again, she really doesn't take it until this conversation apparently with, with Colleen and maybe it sparks something to work up the nerve to do this, but she apparently went to a bus station. She calls Cameron and says that she's leaving him.
0: She doesn't know what to believe. So you have Janice coming to say that the company still exists, but Cameron is not part of it. And I think the reason for that would be to create more fear in Stan. So she basically wanted her out of her life. So Janice wanted Colleen out of the picture, but she didn't want her going to the police. So basically she said if the company was real, she would still be killed if she spilled the beans on all this shit that was happening. But basically Get out of here. Here's your chance of freedom. So, as you said, she went to a bus terminal, called Cameron, and said, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And uh, what he does is uh, breaks down and starts crying, Chris. Poor little Cameron. Yeah, poor little Cameron starts crying. But that's not it. Like we said, dude, she still believed that the company was real... When she left and got back to her parents' home in Eugene, Oregon, she didn't even call the police to make matters crazier. She was in constant contact with Cameron still at this point, making phone calls to him. And Janice even contacted her and was pleading with her, please don't tell the police. Let's see if we can get him to change his ways. Colleen should have been like, fuck you. She was just so brainwashed and psychologically fucked up beyond recognition that she followed Janice's request. And she kept it quiet
1: crazy thing that happens is that while Janice is telling Colleen to give Cameron, you know, a chance to change, I guess not contact the police, which I don't think Colleen had any intention of doing anyway because of her fears still. What comes to sort of a surprise is Janice ends up reporting Cameron to the police. It's actually Janice who ends up doing it. What she tells the police, and maybe this was kind of her way of perhaps getting the police serious about it other than, you know, just saying, Oh, I kidnapped and this, but he, she mentions, which, uh, if you recall that Bill mentioned back Marie Elizabeth, uh, Spanheik. Janice tells the police that he tortured and murdered her. Of course, the authorities know of this case and they go to find this body as proof because obviously, you know, you could say all you want, uh, about, Oh, he said, she said, Uh, But but the police need proof. That's just the nature of the game here. And they don't find any proof. So there can't be any murder charge brought up. But they, of course, can investigate the matter of Colleen and Janice in in terms of the torture and and sexual assaults, rape, all that that were done to them. So... This is where Janice and Colleen now have a chance to testify
0: against Cameron. And uh, you would assume that Janice is going to stick by her man. Am I right, Chris? My man, she gives him up (laughs) (laughs) so fast. She folds like a cheap suit. She decides to testify in exchange for full immunity. So basically fuck you, Cameron, you're going to get what you deserve. But, you know, she should have gotten what she fucking deserved, too, because she's no innocent bystander in this whole thing. Yes, she was psychologically and physically abused by Cameron, but she also, in turn, allowed it to happen to someone else for nearly a decade. So let's not forget about that. That's a
1: touchy situation, too, I guess, right? Because aside from her basically wanting full immunity, I wonder if a court would even you know, what they would do to Janice. Obviously, I think part of it was that they accepted this full immunity from her because I don't know how hard they would have come down on her given the situation where, I mean, from what it appears anyway, that she was a victim herself. I wonder uh, any if there would be a, any prosecution at all if she, if she didn't demand uh, immunity.
0: That's a very good point, man. That's a very good point because you have Colleen's you know, testimony, but now you have his own wife's testimony against him. So, I mean, this should be just a, basically a closed case, right? You know what I mean, no getting around it. And that's exactly what happened because our um, douchebag of the hour here, Cameron Hooker, was sentenced to consecutive prison terms totaling 104 years. But he was never charged with the murder of Marie Elizabeth because, as Chris said, they were never able to find the body. So that's where we stand. You know, you could imagine a sentence to 104 years. That's where he's staying for the rest of his life. He's going to die behind bars. But that wasn't the case because he benefited from a program or thought he was going to benefit from a program called California's Elderly Parole Program. He was originally ineligible for parole until the year 2023, but he had his hearing date moved up seven years. In 2015, he was denied parole, and rightfully so. But (laughs) that's not where it ends, bud, because uh, apparently new word is coming down that there is a possibility of him being granted parole in March of 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you give me a fucking break?
1: Just to speak, so you, when you said that his 2015 parole was denied, his next time for eligibility would have been 2030, but due to COVID-19, as you said, that got moved nine years earlier to potentially next year, next March. The way this whole system works, and, and you know, if you hear this many times, that people's sentence, their their actual sentence and the time that they actually serve is never the same unless that person does not exhibit good behavior or, or at least an attempt to do something better for themselves or for society. So it's not unheard of for a sentence to be essentially almost have because of this, and especially one as long as his. But it just doesn't seem right, does it? For someone who basically abused that we know of three people, Janice, Marie Elizabeth,
0: and Colleen Stan. Now he's going to be eligible for parole again and most likely released because of the fucking COVID-19. I mean, I can you? It. God. There's... I wonder what Colleen feels about that. Oh, you know? she, I mean, I, I saw her in an interview recently and she said that she obviously hopes that he never gets out of jail again. I mean, and I, mean, I really hope that the parole board keeps what she has to say about this in mind. I mean, l- let's just use some fucking common sense here.
1: You know what? We're we're gonna revisit this. Yes. At another time, we're gonna wait and see.
0: Next year. Mar- no, we only have three months, Chris. March of two thousand twenty-one. It's coming up. Right. Right. Right.
1: So we might have so,
0: to. Yeah, we're gonna revisit this. This is a very good well, idea. In a few months,
1: we'll 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 you know kind of listen out for this and see. Uh, and of course, you guys should all follow
0: it too. See what ends up happening with his parole here. This is unbelievable. If he's granted freedom. Because, you know, Colleen's life is forever altered, man. Because, you know, yes, she escaped and was able to reunite with her family and whatnot, got her freedom back. But the long-term psychological abuse, I mean, she's been through a ton of marriages, has had some issues with her children. You can imagine the psychological damage that has been done to her from this, this torture. So... My God, this woman has been a victim of Cameron Hooker's since she was 20 years old. Since 1977. Yeah. God damn. Unbelievable. But that's it, Chris. I mean, I told you this was a disturbing one, bud. And it was. It very... was not, probably, in retrospect, not the best one for our Christmas spectacular. <laughs> but we should have
1: went with Santa and
0: his reindeer, but... Yeah, I think you're right on this one, Chris. Uh, you, you choose the one that we do next week. Fuck. Uh, very bad idea on my part. But uh, with all that said, bud, that is it. That is the case of Colleen Stan. And as Chris said, we will keep you posted on any further updates in this case. But uh, you know what, bud? It's time we go enjoy the holidays with our family. So let's give the rundown here. If you... <clears throat> whoa, whoa, that was weak. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. You can find Chris, as always, on Facebook at Between the Cracks Podcast. You can find me on Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. And as I said, the Patreon page is now up and running. It will be in the show links. Just click the link there and, uh, you know, see what we have to offer there. Also, the link for the merch store will be there on Teespring. That's btc. All sorts of cool shit there. And, uh, I think that's pretty much it. So before we go, Chris, we say we wish everybody out there in podcast land a very Merry Christmas. And without further ado, why don't you hop on the back of my sleigh, Chris, and bid the fine, fine people, the fondest, oh, farewell. That's a Christmas kitty. That was right. I mean I don't think that No I I actually Ah!